0: Thank you for listening to a Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. If you need any information about our church, or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at praisechapelkingman.com. So this is just before the worship team heads down so that you don't feel alone You're up here. Kathy, I, uh, I just felt the Lord just kind of uh, put a word on me to, to give to Kathy Poole tonight. Uh, most of you know that she shared this past Mother's Day and the and, uh, ministry did a great job uh, in ministering and just a, a word from the Lord. But as I was reflecting on that, that time, I saw something uh, from the Lord, and what it was is that, Kathy, you were radiating, as you were ministering, you were radiating a certain beauty. Amen. Now... I know that's kind of weird for somebody besides your husband to say that to you, but, but I'm going to clarify what I mean, because there was a particular phrase the Lord really did inspire me about, and what that beauty you were radiating was the beauty of holiness. Yes, yes. Now, I know that, I know the way, I know you, because I've known you for a long time, and you're not one of those people that would walk around saying, that's, that's me, I just I just radiate holiness. It's not, it's not the way it, you would project yourself, and yet, it is what is and was radiating out of your life. And I'll just explain it real quickly. That the word that word holiness. Part of that word means to hallow or to set apart. And this is this is what you were radiating is, is that you have set God, you've hallowed God in your life. You have set him apart in your life. Now that doesn't mean that he's not, he's just partitioned and he's over here. He's in your whole life. But what it does mean is that you have made the Lord a special place, the, you made him the special place in your heart. And that radiates from your life. And I just feel like what you need to know as well, and I know that you know this doctrinally, but I, I think it's just something I'm just going to just share, that you need to know that the Lord also, because you have set him apart or hallowed him in your life, <clears throat> the beauty of holiness radiates from you. He also, and likewise, has set you apart uh, in his life and heart and And that's a wonderful thing to know and i just I just wanted to just share that with you. It was something that the Lord dr- kind of just dropped in on me, and then I had a dream that night about giving you the word and so <clears throat> I thought, you know may as well share that I'm, <clears throat> I'm, 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 I know it was something that was put in my heart uh, to share with you and just to bring an encouraging word to you. And I think she deserves that from the Lord. And I appreciate it. Amen. <clears throat> now you guys can go. <clears throat> She's going to go teach the kids. <clears throat> Praise God. did not God good? <clears throat> so before I get into the message, I'm going to read you a story. <clears throat> this happened to Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson Uh, One time in their experiences together, I know you've probably never seen this on the big screen or on your TV uh, in the adventures of Sherlock Holmes or anything, but there was a time when Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson went camping together and they pitched their tent under the stars and then went to sleep. Now somewhere in the middle of the night, Holmes woke Watson up and said, Watson, Look up at the stars and tell me what you see. Watson says, I see millions and millions of stars. And Holmes says, and what do you deduce from that? Watson replied, well, if there are millions and millions of stars, and even a few of those have planets, <clears throat> it's quite likely that some planets are like Earth out there, and if there are few planets like Earth out there, there might also be life. <clears throat> and Holmes said, Watson, you idiot, it means somebody stole our tent. <clears throat> <clears throat> Tonight, what I'm going to to preach on is the omni-god. Omni-god. The word omni is a Latin word which means all. And there are three omni-words that are used to describe God that we're going to look at tonight. I believe the Lord is going to encourage our hearts because this message encouraged mine. The first word we're going to look at is omniscient. God is omniscient. And omniscient means that God is all-knowing. God is the original (coughs) know-it-all. Right? Now, I know when I say that God is a know-it-all, and saying that, I don't mean that in the obnoxious sense. We've probably all known people who thought they were know it alls and they were really annoying. I had a missionary friend, let me rephrase that. I had a missionary acquaintance that I knew in Kenya. <clears throat> And he was one of these know-it-all guys, you know. Uh, you couldn't tell this guy anything because he already knew it all. Uh, he was extremely obnoxious. Uh, if you were talking about something, if you were talking about practically anything, uh, he uh, all, uh, he already knew it all, you know. And he had a phrase that he used over and over again, uh, and that was, well, used. he had a real deep baritone voice, and he'd say, <clears throat> Well, you see, I know that. <laughs> Didn't matter what it was about, he knew it all. Well, you see, I know that. <clears throat> and so, this was before I was uh, a little more sanctified. We used to make fun of him a lot because of that. <clears throat> Obviously, I got uh, over that, huh? It I just, just occurred to me that I'm now. <clears throat> Anyway, you don't know who he was anyhow, so I'm safe. Uh, but <laughs> he, he had a lot of acquaintances, but not a whole lot of friends because uh, he was an annoying know-it-all. <clears throat> God's all-knowing, know-it-all nature isn't like that. <clears throat> he is not annoying. How many know God is not annoying? But he is all-knowing. Not annoying, but all knowing. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything, somebody say, everything. Everything Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we have to give account. Say this with me tonight God knows. Now, this can make some people nervous and for very good reason. Listen tonight, there are some people, there are people who are going to give account for every bad thing, every sin they have ever committed. God knows it all. He knows every sin. He knows every lie. He knows every bad thing that they've done to others. He knows every evil, dirty thought, everything. And the day is coming when some folks are going to give account for every sin. Now, I'm pausing for effect there. I'm going to state that again. The day is coming when some are going to give account for every sin. Now, for the person who has not given their life to Christ, this is going to be the worst nightmare imaginable. Judgment is going to be served, and it is going to be far worse than anyone could ever imagine. The Bible speaks about what that is going to be, and uses phrases phrases to talk about the end result of that judgment. It's called eternal judgment. It, that means that it is unending for all eternity. The phrase is used, eternal fire, outer darkness, where the worm dies not, the punishment for sin for those who have not been saved, it's horrible to think about giving account to the all-knowing God, where everything will be uncovered and laid bare. Now, this is a time for us to prepare for that time. This life is the only opportunity that we have to make a decision that will affect That time, that time is real. That time is coming. There is a day of judgment that's coming for all sin, every sin. Everything is going to be uncovered. Everything is going to be laid bare. And now is the time to make a decision for Jesus Christ. Jesus died 2,000 years ago and shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. And all we have to do is ask him to forgive us, come into our lives, and He does exactly that. He saves us. He forgives us. He washes us. He cleanses us from all sin. Amen. And so judgment for sin isn't something the born again believer needs to be afraid of? When we think of the omniscient, all knowing God, it should not unnerve us as God's people. In Colossians two verse thirteen, this is out of the message translation, it says, "When you were stuck in your old sin dead life, how many know all of us." at one time we're stuck in our old sin dead life he said you were incapable of responding to god but god brought you alive right along with christ think of it all sins forgiven praise god And so we don't have to be afraid of our sins being brought up at judgment day because Jesus has forgiven us when we have asked him to come into our lives and cleanse us. He has done that, washed us clean, uh, 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 thrown our, cast our sins into the depths of the sea and put up a sign, no fishing. Thank you, Jesus. Somebody say, yay. Yay. Say it again, yay. Yay. See, God isn't the ultimate critic for believers. God knows everything about us and still likes us. Say, yay. Yay. (laughs) What a miracle. He knows everything about us and still likes us. Even more, he knows every mistake or sin that we're going to make, and commit, and has already made provision for it. It says in Hebrews chapter 7 verse 25, therefore, he, talking about Jesus, is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always lives to intercede for them, we need to know tonight that Jesus not only saved us, He completely saves us and is always going to be there for us. He is, has pledged His help to continue to make intercession, to intercede for us, and tonight we need to know as God's people that He is the all-knowing, omniscient God, knows everything about our life, and in that great knowledge has made preparation for us through our lives with Him, and He's continuing to intercede uh, for us. Somebody say, yay. Yay. Now, tell yourself or somebody, he he knows. He knows. Listen, he knows what we're going through. He knows whatever temptation we're facing. Hebrews chapter 4, 15 and 16 says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are yet without sin. Let us, therefore, come boldly to the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Now, it's interesting that these verses... uh, Follow. They're just two verses down from verse 13 where it talks about all things uncovered and laid bare before him. But listen, for us as God's people, born-again believers, uh, this shouldn't freak us out about things being uncovered and laid bare. It should encourage us because God knows. Uh, God knows what we're going through. God knows what we're tempted in and tempted of. And he isn't in that knowledge pushing us away and saying, oh, ugh, ugh. But what does the word say? It says he understands the the, the areas where we are tempted. And he's made a preparation for that. Let us, he doesn't push us away, but he draws us in to give us what? Mercy and find grace to help in that time of need. What need? The need that we have when we are tempted. That means, you know what? You can live your life open before God. That means that you don't have to cover, we don't have to cover up. We don't have to pretend or try to think that God doesn't know. God knows it all. He knows everything. And so in the areas that we're wrestling with or struggling with, uh, we need help, don't we? in whatever that temptation is. He has promised uh, that we will find mercy. That mercy is in the place of judgment. He's not gonna judge us. Uh, he's gonna give us mercy if we'll come to him. Let us therefore come boldly. We can come boldly because he already knows. He knows about the temptation. We can come before him and say, you know what, Lord, I am I know, I'm sorry. I'm being tempted in this area. I need mercy and I need grace. Great mercy, uh, we avoid judgment. Grace is an empowerment to get through and over whatever it is we're tempted of. I tell you tonight, there's freedom in Jesus. He knows. He knows the trouble we're facing. In 2 Corinthians 2 verse 12, Paul talks about something and we don't we don't know exactly because he didn't uh, elaborate. People speculate, but it's all speculation of something that he had been going through, wrestling with. And he asked God three times uh, to uh, to take it from him. And God responds with the following words: Second Corinthians chapter twelve, verse nine. And he said to me, "My grace is sufficient for you, for my strength." is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, and this is Paul saying, most gladly I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Now, I used to look at this and think that God was basically he asked three times for God to remove it. And I, I used to look at it and say, and it, it kind of Uh, seemed like God was saying, ah, you're just going to have to deal with it. You're going to have to just live with it, Uh, you know, in that. And, you know, I just don't believe that's what he's saying. If you read what he's saying here in the verse, I believe that what he's saying here is that even when we feel weak, even when we feel unequal to what we are facing or that's going on in our lives, you know what God does? He gives grace and power to get us either through it or out of it, around it, or whatever. But God's grace and strength are there for us in those times where we are struggling and we face trouble. God doesn't leave us alone in that. He doesn't just say, ah, just deal with it. It isn't that. He gives grace. He gives strength to help us in the midst. Listen tonight. God is omniscient. He is the omniscient all-knowing God, and what that means is that whatever it is we're going through, God knows. All-knowing God, whatever it is we're going through, God knows. You know what? Sometimes when we're going through something, it's, it's just we wonder almost. Does, does anybody really know or feel what I'm going through, and we can always know. You know, there are those sometimes even closest to us that we wonder that, you know, are they, do they really even get or know what I'm going through right now? And, and we may wonder, but tonight, listen, whatever it is, whatever it is we are going through, God knows. He is omniscient, He is the all knowing God. Somebody say, Yay. Secondly, God is omnipresent. Omnipresence means he is all present. Hey, uh, will somebody uh, bring me that water? Uh, Mary, will you grab that water? <clears throat> I've uh, preached myself dry. <clears throat> somebody say, Yay! <clears throat> Let's say yay yay. yay. <laughs> uh, that was a pretty weak yay yay. Okay, I I, I get it. You guys are. Uh, you'll give me one yay, but not two. Okay. <clears throat> God's God's omnipresence means He is all present. We are never listen. We are never on our own. That's a wonderful thing about you. This is one of the one of the. Most wonderful things that I have learned about God is that He is always there. The, probably the most profound or one of the most profound times where God impressed this on me was when I was a missionary in Malawi. And one Sunday morning, I was driving with uh, <clears throat> Pastor Charles Tunya. Out to a village bush, or a, a village church out in the bush, and we we had driven for several hours. We're on a dirt road, and there was a light rain that started falling. And we went around a curve on this dirt road, and it had gotten slick. Uh, we used to say "slickest not on a doorknob," you know that that <laughs> kind. Of got real slick, and so uh, we we started sliding, and you know ice and stuff, I've learned to drive, you know, you turn into it, all that. The, with mud, you just kind there was no, we just was sliding, and so we slid off the road, and it was on, it was banked up the road, and it went off a, a kind of a steep thing here, and so the vehicle, I was in a, a four-wheel drive, but it was buried on its side like this, and so I tried to rock it out in four-wheel low, and, and it just buried deeper in mud, and all that, and so Charles says, "Oh, so Pastor, the church isn't too far away." And so he says, "I'll go get some men and and uh, help us get out of here." And so Charles goes off. Now, in in Africa, when somebody says it's not too far away, <laughs> that's not what we think of always. And so I knew that not too far away, I it may, okay, a couple of days from now, maybe he'll come back. Not really, I knew it was, but I, so anyway, he takes off, and then he goes up over a hill, and he's gone, and I am all by my lonesome, out in the middle of the African bush, literally in the middle of nowhere, and the only other person around was this little boy that had a few cows he was keeping track of, and I tried to strike up a conversation with him. He used a couple of, you know, greeted him in and, and Chichewa, their language, and his eyes got real big, and he herded his cows off and left. I think he had heard stories about uh, the Mazungu, white guy, you know, and was afraid, and so he took off. So I am all by my lonesome. Now, here I am. You got to picture it. Lone, white guy, out in the middle of the African bush. But while I'm there, I begin to pray and praise God. Now, I know tonight that I will never be able to fully communicate to you the feeling that I had that day as I began to pray and to praise God. But as I did, I felt God with me. And I'm telling you, it was, it was one of those marked experiences in my life because I had the greatest sense of security. Out in the middle of the bush, all alone, by myself, but I knew and experienced God's presence in such a way that I knew. It didn't, it didn't matter where I was or what was going on in my life, God was with me. And I was secure in that. That's an awesome experience. And I don't know, it was probably a couple hours late. I don't know how long time, you know, and, and I don't remember how much time, Passed, but it was sometime later Charles and five or six guys from the church came out and they had me get in the car and and put it in four wheel low and then they literally picked that side of the vehicle up and put it right back on the road and we went. And I'm telling you that day we had church. Man, I I, I God was with me. Woo! How would you not have church? I but that day, see, I experienced the omnipresent, all present. God, God is always with us. Somebody say always. always. In Psalm 139, verse 5 through 12, it says, You hem me in. Behind and before, you have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, uh, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. Uh, If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle... Uh, On the far side of the sea, even there, your hand will guide me. Your right hand will hold me fast. Don't you love that imagery? God's hand holding you fast. If I say, surely the darkness will hide me and the light uh, uh, become night around me. Listen, even the darkness will not be dark to you. That is not helping you there, is it? Sorry. (laughs) Sorry. Well, man, it's in there somewhere. Uh, I got excited on this thing here. (laughs) Thank you. Yeah, now now you can follow along, huh? (laughs) Surely the darkness will hide me, the light shall be night around me, even the darkness will not be dark to you. The night will shine like the day. The darkness is light to you. You know what that means? That means God is always present. He always sees us. Uh, he's the, he's the all knowing God, but He's also the all present God. One of the greatest things we can ever know about God is He is always there. Say, always there. The last words that were recorded in the Gospel of Matthew are these, that Jesus spoke to his disciples, some of the last words he spoke to them before ascending into heaven. He said, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. In Hebrews 13, verse 5, in the Amplified, it says, For he, God himself, has said, listen to what God himself has said, I will not in any way fail you nor give you up, nor leave you without support. Somebody say yay. Yay. I won't give you up. I'm not going to leave you without support. I will not. I will not. I will not in any degree leave you helpless, nor forsake you, nor let you down, nor relax my hold on you. Assuredly not. Oh man, that's good (laughs) stuff. That's God speaking to us tonight. God's omnipresence means nothing can separate us from him. He is always there. Now tell yourself or somebody he's always there. Romans eight thirty five through 39, who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for your sake, we are killed all the day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, yet... Even though all that stuff may be going on around, yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, or powers, talking about demonic hosts, nor things present, or things to come, nothing, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing, shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus, our Lord now Paul says I am persuaded in verse 38 you and I as God's people need this persuasion that nothing shall be able to separate us from the love of God now I want you to I did it again to you didn't I now say this with me tonight nothing shall separate me from his love One more time, nothing shall separate me from his love. God's omnipresence means whatever it is we're facing, we do not face it alone. In Isaiah 43 verse 1 through 3, fear not, fear not, don't be afraid, don't be afraid. I have redeemed you. I've called you by your name. You're mine. Man, I, I could have just read that one verse and we could have just said, praise you Jesus, thank you God, and that would have been it, but I have a lot more I want to say, so I won't stop there. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you, and through the rivers, they will not overflow you. When you walk through the fire, you shall not be burned, nor shall the flame scorch you, for I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. Say, my Savior. My Savior. Now, there was a kid who was having problems with a bully at school and they kept picking on him day in and day out, just uh, a lot bigger than this, this kid, and he was just tormented by this bully, and he told his big brother about it. And his big brother said, well, all right, you challenge him to a fight in our barn. I'll climb up in the rafters, and when he starts to whip it on you, I'll jump down on his back, and we'll teach him a lesson. So the little boy challenges him to a fight. Bully comes into the barn after school. Big brother's up in the rafters. And uh, this little guy uh, is emboldened. And he lights into that bully like a bobcat. I mean, he's like the Tasmanian devil on this kid. Uh, Boom, 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 boom. Uh, Gives him a bloody nose, gives him a fat lip and a black eye and sends him running home crying for his mama. And his big brother jumped out of the rafters, walked up to him, said, "Man, what in the world came over you?" And he said, "Just knowing you were there made all the difference." <laughs> 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 God is the omnipresent, all-present God. And what that means is, whatever it is we're going through, God is there. And knowing He is there makes all the difference. Listen tonight, you and God are a majority. God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. He's omnipresent. His presence is always with us. And finally, God is omnipotent. Omnipotent means God is all-powerful. In Jeremiah 32, verse 27, he says, Behold, I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is there anything too hard for me? To which we respond, no. God expects us tonight to believe this, that nothing is too hard for him. There was a man named Zechariah, who was a priest and he and his wife Elizabeth they they had been barren she hadn't been able to conceive a child and they had been praying they had been praying we know this because the angel Gabriel came to Zechariah while he was fulfilling his duty of the high priest office uh, and said uh, I am Gabriel Hey, I'm Gabriel, (laughs) and I stand in the presence of God. And he says, Your prayers have been answered. They had been praying through their lifetime for a child, and uh, they had not had the answer yet. Now they're both old and beyond childbearing age. And the angel Gabriel comes and says, You're going to have a baby. Uh, Your wife's going to conceive. You're going to call his name John. 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 And he says, well, how in the world is that going to happen? We're old and, you know, know know what I mean? And... and, And the angel says, I'm Gabriel, I stand in the presence of God, and because you didn't believe me, you're going to be dumb for a season. You're not going to be able to talk until this baby is born. And so for nine months, he comes out of the Holy of Holies, where he's doing his high priest uh, duties, comes out, and he's, "Mm, mm, 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 mm." boom, and they figured out, that guy saw an angel and he couldn't speak for nine months. And then Elizabeth conceived. They had a baby nine months later, called his name John. This was John the Baptist. John the Baptist got born, and they said, What you gonna call him? And uh, uh, Elizabeth, uh, the mom, said, We're calling him John. And they said, Well, nobody else in your family's named John. What do you call him John for? And they asked the dad, uh, Zechariah, what you gonna call him? He, said, mm. he wrote down, His name's John. And then his mouth was opened up and he began to prophesy about Jesus and all that was gonna happen. You see, I would say, why did he, couldn't he talk for that? You know what? Uh, he couldn't talk because he hadn't believed what the angel had said. And after he started, uh, realizing and went ahead and believed, man, his mouth was opened up. He started to prophesy. You know what? Tonight, we need to dare to believe God that he is omnipotent, that he can do whatever he said he can do, that he is all. Powerful. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6 says, But without faith, it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe, first of all, that he is, and secondly, that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. This is a necessity. We must believe, say, must believe, must believe. that he is. God is tonight. I'm telling you, God is tonight. God is. There are a lot of people that say God isn't, but they don't know. God is. God is. And we must believe that He is and that He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever need we have, God is able. Tell yourself, God is able. He's able because He is all-powerful. Whatever physical need we have, God is powerful. God is able. He is powerful enough to heal. We have had people in our church healed from everything, from a headache to cancer. Why? Because God is able. He is all-powerful. Whatever financial need we have, God is, is able to supply Kathy Poole testified last Sunday morning about a a financial miracle that they received a specific need that was met that they had been praying for. We need to pray for, instead of worrying about our needs, we need to spend time praying and committing them to God and dare to believe that the almighty, all-powerful God is able. He's able to help us in our finances either help us and miraculously meet the need or give us, and, and a lot of us, me included, we need God's wisdom in how to manage our finances, right? God will help us. He will intervene in our finances. Whatever emotional need we have, God is powerful enough to help us with it. There are those here in this congregation tonight that have been freed from years of depression, of anxiety, of anger, of fear, fear and God has broken those chains broken those bonds uh, uh, of emotional bondage Uh, I experienced it in my own life Uh, you know what God is able he is almighty all powerful omnipotent God and that's what I came to tell you tonight God is omniscient. He's all-knowing. Whatever it is we're going through, God knows. God is omnipresent. He's always present. Whatever it is we're going through, God is there. God is omnipotent. He is all-powerful. Whatever it is we're going through, whatever need we have, God is able. He knows what we're going through. He is there with us in it. And he is there to do something about it. All-powerful, almighty God. Aren't you glad that he knows? Aren't you glad that he's there? Aren't you glad that he's able to do something about it? Let's bow our heads tonight. No one looking around for a moment. Tonight, if you've never given your life to Christ... And I know as I began this message, I talked about the day coming. Things are going to be uncovered. Everything, every sin is going to be exposed. Everything. For the person who has not asked Christ to forgive them, those sins are going to be exposed. For the born-again believer, it's not something we need to fear. For the person who has not given their life to Christ, they have it, it, is, it, is, it, it would do us well to hear and to heed or to respond. And tonight, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe you've walked away from Him and been away for uh, a, a time, and tonight you're just, you just you say, God, I, I want to uh, ask you to forgive me tonight. No one looking around for a moment. Just raise your hand and, and th- that you would like to be included in this prayer before we close. God bless you. Anybody else tonight? Praise God. Praise God. All right, we're going to pray together tonight, and we're going to pray for needs. There are those here that maybe you came tonight, and, and in, in you know it in your mind and really kind of even maybe even in your heart, but sometimes we go through some things, and we wonder, you know, does anybody really even know what I'm going through? And I'm here to tell you and confirm to you tonight, God knows. Not only does he know but His presence is there with you in the midst, and He is there to do something about it, to bring comfort, to bring strength, to bring encouragement, to bring help, to bring intervention, uh, to bring healing. And tonight, we're going to pray and believe God for all these things. Can you say amen? amen? Let's pray together. And just if you would just repeat this prayer, we're going to pray, first of all, uh, forgiveness for those... Who have raised their hand for that need, and then we're gonna just pray a a blanket prayer over the rest of us. Just uh, pray this with me tonight. Jesus, thank you for paying the price in your blood shed for me so that I could be forgiven for all sin. Thank you for that. I believe and I receive. Your forgiveness. Thank you for preparing me for eternity. God, tonight, I believe you know what's going on in my life. I believe your presence is here. You're the all present God. And I believe you are here to do something. To help me, I call out to you now. My need, my burden, my sickness, my weakness, my temptation. Help me, Jesus. Your presence is here to help me. I come boldly to receive mercy and find grace to help in this need. In these needs, I trust them into your hands. Thank you for answering me. Thank you for hearing me. And in hearing, answering. In Jesus' name, amen. Now would you give the Lord a clap offering and just thank him. Let's thank him. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for who you are. Oh, you are all. You are all. Praise God. He is all. Our uh, prayer team is going to be up here at the front. Thank you for listening to the Praise Chapel Kingman podcast. Can't wait to see you next week.